Merry Christmas. To those that are listening online and those that are here, I'm glad that you're here and I hope you've got a copy of God's Word either in paper or on your phones or on your iPads or wherever you have it. I invite you today to just leave your Bible set to Luke 1. You've got notes, so just relax. I want you to I want us to take, as it were, just allow God's Word to, to shower over us this Sunday before Christmas. The other day, uh, Laura had came over for supper, and uh, we were going through, I think it was on her phone, and just looking at pictures uh, starting, and you know, it was a very young... I don't know how she has these pictures on her phone, but she does. And literally, she just, it was just a timeline of... Uh, of our kids when we were young and they were young and all these you notice the word young <laughs> it's what we're thinking about and you know and and even our kids that are no longer kids and uh, that are adults and you know still trying to figure out what to do with his hand you know it, you you're looking in the mirror later and you're looking you're sitting there going you know I'm not young anymore and things aren't working quite like they should anymore and life is extremely short and uh, I don't know how you feel this Sunday before Christmas but I, I almost guarantee sometimes this past year we have got this feeling that we are sort of small and insignificant or maybe even overlooked and forgotten God's word Isaiah forty-one seventeen said this when the poor and needy seek water and there is none and their tongue is parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. This is why we are here today. Because our God did not forsake His people. This is the main idea today. The promises of God are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at today. So just leave your Bible set to Luke 1. I'm going to bobble all over you this morning. <laughs> And I want you just to enjoy it. Your tongue might, your spiritual tongue may be parched and you may be feeling a little cold and left out in the cold today. I, I invite you to let the Lord fulfill His promises for they have been and they will be. So Luke 1. Though God had sent one prophet after another to both warm Warn and even to woo God's people, though God Himself had disciplined and oftentimes restored them, they would not nor they could not devote themselves to Him alone. And so God went silent. And for the next 400 years, God's Spirit did not move the prophets to speak, God remained silent. And his people both groaned and hoped because, you see, God had made promises to his people. God had promised to send a Messiah that would be a savior, a servant, a prophet, a priest, and a king. And so Luke records for us that in the fullness of time, God sent his messenger to a priest named Zechariah. You see, Zechariah and his wife were devoted to Yahweh, but they were getting pretty old themselves. And Elizabeth, Zechariah's wife, was barren. 
So that year, Zechariah was chosen by casting lots to go into the temple and offer incense. And when he did, an angel appeared to him and announced to him that Elizabeth, his barren, aged wife, would have a son. And they were to name his son John, which means Yahweh is gracious. This son would be great before the Lord and would even be filled with God's Spirit from the womb. John would prepare the way for this Messiah. But Zechariah did not believe this messenger, for his wife was old. And so the angel said to Zechariah, I stand in the presence of God, and I brought you good news. So, you will be both without hearing and unable to speak until the promise is fulfilled. And so for Zechariah, everything went silent. The people outside were waiting for Zechariah, wondering why it was taking him so long, expecting for him to come out and give them a blessing. But when he came out, he was able, unable to say anything. Shortly after this, Elizabeth conceived, just as the angel said. She hid herself for five months. And about the sixth month, that angel came to a young woman engaged to a man named Joseph. Her name was Mary. The angel told Mary that she had found favor with God and she would conceive and bear a son. His name would be Jesus and he will be great and be called the son of the Most High. And Mary said, how could this be? Because I'm a virgin. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and so this child will be called the Son of God. Mary responded, I am a willing slave of the Lord. Do to me according to your word. After that, Mary, being with child, went to see Elizabeth, who was with child. They were related. And when they met, John, being in Elizabeth's womb, leaped for joy. And they had a little worship service there. And Mary began to sing a song, a, a psalm of praise to the Lord. They spent about three months together, and then Mary returned home, and about that time, Elizabeth gave birth. And about eight days, according to the custom, family and friends gathered around for the child to be circumcised and the child to be named, and they wondered, what would they, they name their son? Surely, Zach, they would name him Zachariah after his father. Elizabeth said, his name will be John. Everybody was confused. Why would you name him John? And so they used hand gestures to the silent one, Zechariah. But you see, Zechariah had had nine months of silence. It's good for us sometime. I'm sure it wasn't the most pleasant thing for Zechariah to go through. But you see, during that time, he had pondered redemptive history and where they were in it. By the way, so are you. He had pondered what the prophets had written. And God had allowed him to see the mystery of the promised one. Zechariah asked for a tablet to write on. And he said his name is John. That is to say, his name is Grace. 
And so it was at that time that the Holy Spirit not only unstopped his ears and loosed his tongue, but filled Zechariah. And like the prophets of old, this New Testament prophet opened up his mouth and declared, declared that the Messiah had come, just as he had promised. That's what we want to look at today. Just got you to verse 67 if you were following along. The silent mystery had pierced the darkness. Our Savior, you see, our servant, our prophet, our priest, and our king had come. Got these books out here in the lobby. Right out the front on the table with the red tablecloth. It's called The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. Uh, if you have someone who is struggling with the Christian faith, I'd give them this. Take it, it's free. Lee Strobel calls in his book the prophecies fingerprint evidence. So distinct and so specific that, that it was to prevent any kind of misunderstanding who the anointed one was. For he had a distinct fingerprint and that we could look at the prophecies and see whether in fact Jesus was the Messiah. There was no doubt in Zechariah's mind. So let's look at the promises. Look at verse 67 with me. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, there was a promise of the Holy Spirit. Joel 2.28 says this, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. The promise of the Holy Spirit was promised. The promise of a redeeming Savior was promised. Look at verse 68. Blessed be the God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people. The promise of a redeeming Savior, when we see the word visited here in verse 68, should remind us of the Exodus. Exodus 4.31 said, And the people believed, and when they had heard, the Lord had visited the people of Israel, and that He had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. Isaiah 59.20 says this, And a Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob whose turn from their transgressions declares the Lord. There was a promise of a redeeming Savior. But this redeeming Savior was to come from a specific line. A specific family. It was first the promise of a Savior from the line of David. Look at verse 69. And He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. Now this is critical here for a minute. Notice this as we get started on Zechariah's prophecy. That he's not talking about his own son who's sitting there in front of him. He's talking about the Messiah. He says He is a horn of salvation for us. If you know the Old Testament, especially the Psalms, you know the horn of salvation is the picture that denotes power and strength. It's applied to the royal descendant of David in the Psalm. Zechariah says, our horn of salvation has come. And He, is, he will come through the line of David. 
The horn represents not simply salvation, but that this Messiah would be the instrument of that salvation. 2 Samuel 11 says this, For the time that I appointed judges over my people, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. And when your days are fulfilled, you will lie down with your fathers. I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and listen, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. That was God's promise to David. And Jeremiah 23 verse 5 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David, a righteous branch, capital B. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice in the righteous of the land. And the days of Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely in his name. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Verse 70 says, And he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets of old. We've already heard from Hebrews. But Ezekiel 29 verse 21 says this. Listen to this language. On the day, on that day, I will cause a horn to spring up for the house of Israel and I will open your lips among them. Then they will know that I am the Lord. As God loosed Ezekiel's lips, to speak, so he loosed Zechariah's lips to speak, to declare that the mighty Savior had come. And he had come through the line of David just as he had promised. The promise was to come from the line of David. The promise was also to come from the offspring of Abraham. This offspring was not just any offspring. He was to have both a character and actions attached to him. Verse 71 says this offspring would save us from our enemies, from all those who hate us. Isaiah 9 verse 6 prophesying forward says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increasing of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. For this time forward, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This one would come with mercy. Verse 72 of Luke 1, to show mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Micah 7.20 says this, you will show faithfulness to Jacob the steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. He promised to send an offspring that would remember his people. Verse 73, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. Genesis chapter 17 and verse 6 and 7, God made a promise to a man named Abraham that says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make you into nations. The king shall come to you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant 
to be God to you and to your offspring. Notice that word offspring. We'll come back to that in a minute. You see, this was the content, the purpose of the Abrahamic covenant. You see it here in verse 74 and 75, that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. That's the point. That was the promise. You remember David prayed constantly that he simply might dwell in the tabernacle with God. That his enemies would leave him alone so that he could serve the Lord. Promise was one day you will be able to. You might serve me without fear. Especially there without fear of judgment. Zephaniah 3.15 says this, The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. And you shall never again fear evil. We see the two contents of this oath, this covenant, to serve Him without fear and to serve the Lord in holiness and righteousness. Look at verse 74 and 75 together. That being delivered from the hand of our enemies, we might serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. Oh, I love this passage. Here's the promise. Ezekiel 36 and verse 26 says this, And I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all of your uncleanliness and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. And it was only here at verse 76... Zechariah now speaks about his son sitting there before him that there would be a promised forerunner to prepare the way for the Messiah. Look at verse 76. As you child he's speaking to his child he's speaking to John there as an infant will be called the prophet of the most high for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. As I said, first time Zacharias mentioned his own son. But you see, in those, in those months of silence, Zechariah had remembered and had seen Malachi 3.1. that said, Behold, I send my messenger, listen to this language, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you will seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming says the Lord of hosts. Isaiah 43 says, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Verse 77 says that John will prepare the way, that he will give knowledge, the salvation to his people, and the forgiveness of their sins. Look at verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God... Whereby the sunrise shall visit us, it's that word again, from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, 
to guide our feet into the way of peace. Malachi 4.2 says, But as for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings, and you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Thought about that, Mike, when I read that. Mike's got some cattle, and you could see those little calves after they're born leaping around. That's what he says. He's coming. When John comes, you know he's coming. He's preparing the way. Isaiah 9, 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. The people who are in the shadow of the valley of death. Christ has come. And he is this is the promises, and these are only a few. I have not scraped the surface of the promises of God. And if you stated them every day for the rest of your life, you wouldn't either. So, have they been fulfilled in Christ? That's the question really, isn't it? Good, Zechariah said all these things. How about the promise of the Holy Spirit? Got your notes? Now it's on the back side. How about the promise of the Holy Spirit? Well, do you remember Pentecost? That happened in the hometown of Jesus less than two months after he was crucified. Acts 2 verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all the disciples, the apostles, the followers, not just the, not just the apostles themselves, but many that were following. And suddenly there came... From heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them, and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The promise of the Holy Spirit was fulfilled, just as Joel has promised. Do you remember when Peter began to preach after this? Well, who did he quote? Quoted the prophet Joel. How about the promise of a redeeming Savior? Matthew 1.21 says this, She will bear a son, speaking of Mary, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save their people from their sins. Verse 22 says, And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Galatians 4 verse 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law, so that we might receive the adoption as sons. Christ came, and he redeemed us, and he filled us, and he adopted us. Just as he said. Did Christ come from the line of David? That was a promise. That was the fingerprint. Well, Matthew 1.1 wanted to make sure we understood that when he gives us the genealogy. And it begins like this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Luke 1.32 says, He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. Oh, Jesus was from the lineage of David. That's not my opinion, brothers and sisters. That's simply history. How about the promise of an offspring to Abraham? 
I know no better text than Galatians 3. Listen to this word. Remember the word offspring I read to you earlier? Listen to what Paul says to the church. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to his offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring, who is Christ. Who is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant? Jesus Christ is. And all of the promises that he made to Abraham is fulfilled and will be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He was promised. That was the evidence. And he fulfilled it. Not only in his lineage, but in his character. Remember, it was a promise that he would bring mercy. Did he? John 15, 13. Jesus says this, Greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. Oh, he brought mercy. He remembered his people. This is what Mary was singing. Do you remember? Luke 1, 54 says this, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring, to ever. This baby in me is God fulfilling his promise to remember his people and to have mercy on them. Did God provide the means for us to serve him without fear? John puts our fearlessness and our love in, in, the very, in 1 John, the very proof of our salvation, when he says in verse, 1 John 4, 17, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We as Christians can serve Him right now with no fear of judgment in the future because our Lord has both redeemed us and dwelled us and adopted us. There is nothing to fear. Hell is filled full of cowards. And there is no coward that will be in the presence of God. We have not the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. That's what Paul told Timothy. And it's no less true for us today. Promise has been fulfilled. And we are able to serve Him without fear. And because of the new regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in your nature, in mine, we can serve Him in holiness and righteousness. The author of Hebrews said... Chapter 9, verse 14. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Oh, He fulfilled it. Well, how about John the Baptist? Little baby when, that, when Zechariah prophesied that, right? Well, how did that work out? Well, Mark chapter 1 verse 4 says this, John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Just like Malachi said he would hundreds of years later. And just like his daddy prophesied on him when he was a baby. So it was fulfilled. 
He brought the awareness of sin. John brought the, the light of the need of forgiveness. He pointed to the light. He was not the light. He pointed to the light of the world. And he pointed to a peace. Do you remember what the Lord has given us through the Holy Spirit? In John 16, 8, it says, When He comes, the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Just as He promised to do in Joel, so He has done. John prophesied a point into the light of the world by which we may know how to walk. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says this, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfilled the call to be a light, not only to the world, but a light for His people so we will know how to walk. Not only that, He gives us a peace to live in. Do you remember what the angels declared? Glory to God in the highest and on earth amongst whom He is pleased. Romans 5, 1 says it this way, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? We have not just been declared okay. We have not just been declared, God, I'm, I'm going to, he's just going to tolerate me. I get on his nerves, but he, he puts up with me. No, no, no. Because the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ on that tree was accepted. We have been declared righteous. By faith. That is how our God sees us. He sees us through the one who fulfilled everything that was promised. So what today? Will you celebrate this? Will you celebrate the promises of God that have been fulfilled in Christ alone? And no, I'm not just talking about on Sunday. This is easy. <laughs> Do you know the promises of God? You know I have on my bookshelf. Spurgeon wrote a whole book on the, the promises of God that we can pull them down every day and read them. I, I use that all the time. When, when I can't remember them, when I don't feel them, and when I don't feel it, God's promises are no less true. Are you willing to separate, celebrate them in the valley of the shadow of death? That's the question. I'm not inviting you to some kind of emotional experience today. Do you see? I have given you promises that were given a hundred years in advance and that could only be fulfilled by one person and it was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. And that is an evidence, as Josh McDowell would say, that demands a verdict. And we have said, He is Lord. I want you to see something. I do want you to turn your Bibles now, but just hopefully maybe one page. One page on my Bible anyway. Luke 2. 
just want you to notice something. Luke, the doctor by trade, historian by passion, puts us in the account. Remember what Luke said, Luke 1, I sat down to write an orderly account. Look what he puts in here. Verse 25, Luke chapter 2. And now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death because he, before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And we came into the Spirit in the, when we came in the Spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, verse 28, and he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples. I'll listen. A light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for your glory to your people, Israel. Just need to soak this in this morning. This is simply an historical account. Mary's song, Zechariah's prophecy, now Simeon's praise. Need to grab this this morning. The heroes of faith are filled with seemingly small, insignificant people God used to bring the good news of redemption to his people. Luke recorded it. And God has saved you, brothers, and you, sister. And he's put us in a long line of those who may seem to be small and insignificant. But we take our place... Take your place, brothers and sisters. He has placed you in His place. And He has given you life. And He has saved you. And He has put you on the wall to declare the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is true, brothers and sisters. And it is worth giving your life and my life too this Christmas season. It's worth giving our life forever. I am not calling you to a simple or an easy life. I'm calling you to do what God calls us to do. Romans 10, 15 says it this way. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And so, brothers and sisters, I call you now to celebrate. To celebrate with your voice now. With your giving in a few minutes, and especially with your very lives. Listen, God calls you to do what He has called you to do, and when He gets done, you will go home. But you are not home, so we are not done. And so, part of our celebration is our obedient life to do what God redeemed us to do, to serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness. So let us celebrate our Lord. And then let us, through song, charge ourselves to go out and proclaim it. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you that we have been able for just a few minutes, Lord, to just read what the prophets had spoken 
about Jesus Christ and to read all that they have spoken is true, it has come true, and it will come true. And so, Lord, we come to you as those who have experienced this grace. And yet, Lord, though we've experienced your grace, we will confess, Lord, that life has not been easy and we have this feeling that it's not going to be easy in the future. And so, Lord, we have come to you. Comfort your people and bring us, no matter our circumstance, no matter our situation today, there could be some listening online who would love to be here sitting in a seat They can't get out today. I pray that your grace would be enough for them today that they would celebrate that they are yours, that they are loved, that they are filled. And that one day in our perfectly healed, glorified body, we will worship you and serve you And enjoy you and each other forever. And Lord, may we do that now. Receive our worship now, Lord. As we sing and worship together. Amen. Let's stand together.